This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. And my hope is that you leave these conversations each week with a little something you can take and apply to your own life that's helpful. Today, you're listening to episode 29, and I'm talking with Elisa Henry. Alisa is the TV host for the show Cash Explosion, a former news anchor reporter. She is a lover of reading and running. She has a three-year-old son, and in this conversation, we are talking all things books, all things making more time for reading as a busy parent, and helping cultivate healthy reading habits with your kids so many book suggestions in this episode. Get your pen and paper because you're going to want to write this down or your notes app or whatever. Actually, you know what you should do is subscribe to our newsletter so you can just get it sent to your inbox. You can actually email my assistant, Emma, emma at sandyboyproductions.com, and we will get you added to our email list so that the show notes every single week are just dropped into your inbox. I started typing the show notes already and there's at least like 20 book, 20 plus book recommendations on all sorts of topics. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Prevenex. If you are looking for somewhere to get all of your vitamins and supplements, look no further than Prevenex. This is where I get my multivitamins, my joint health vitamins, protein powder, and also kids vitamins. They have kids vitamins as well called Supervites, and it's really cool. They have a give back program. Every bottle of kids vitamins that you buy for your family, they donate a bottle to malnourished kids around the world. They actually just hit their 1 million bottle donation mark, which is super cool. All right, and you guys can use the code LINDSAY15 to save 15% off any of the vitamins, supplements, protein powder, kids vitamins, you name it. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code Lindsay15 and you'll get 15% off. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Elisa Henry. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Elisa Henry on the show. Welcome to the show, Elisa. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting to talk to you. I am so excited because we're kind of crossing over. I host a podcast about running. I'll have another and also this parenting podcast, but you're also a marathoner. So this is really fun for me. Yeah. I, when I saw that, I thought, well, that's cool. It's perfect because I both read and I run. So I know you talk to professional runners on your running podcast. So I wouldn't call myself a professional runner, but I am a runner. So <laughs> okay, it works. You have to tell us what the Yeti challenge is though that you just did. So uh, when the pandemic first started, you know, everyone was trying to think of like, should I bake more banana bread? Should I start <laughs> running? You know, so I was already running at that point and a, a, several of my friends and I got together and did the Yeti challenge, which is you run five miles every four hours for 24 hours. So I think we started at 4 a.m. We ran at 4, 8, 12, and then I think 4, 8, I'm saying it wrong. We started at like, I think 4 in the morning and we ended at at like one in the morning. Okay. So it was crazy. But in, in the end, you have run 31 miles. So that counts as an ultra marathon. One of the craziest things I've ever done, but it was really fun. And it's one of those, like when, again, when the pandemic first started, it's like, oh, this is the thing that we did, not knowing how long it was going to last. Um, so <laughs> one and done one time with the Yeti challenge. It was fun though. I do remember seeing people do that. And I was thinking I will do nothing that will interrupt my sleep. <laughs> you made a good choice, I think. It was fun like one time, but gosh, that was crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today is I am a huge reader myself and we're going to get into finding time to read as a busy parent as well as helping cultivate healthy re- reading relationships with kids. But you are also the Cash Explosion TV host, which is super fun. Tell us about <laughs> that job. 
Yeah, it is. I actually host, like you said, the lottery show. It's uh, It airs every week here in Ohio and in parts of West Virginia. And basically, people buy these scratch-off cards. If they get entry on their card three times, they put in a drawing, and we draw names every week. And every week, eight people are on the show, and somebody wins at least $50,000. Wow. If you get on the show you win at least $6,000 and then you can win like 10,000, 25,000. So it's really fun because people win this life-changing money and it's uh, it's fun for me to be a part of that. Okay, question. If you ever won the lottery, would you tell anybody? If I, You know, I thought about that. I mean, if you win like the Powerball, that's like millions of dollars, uh-huh. I probably would just take my husband and kid and just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> But if I won, like on our show, you win like $50,000, some people win $100,000. I would tell people that. Yeah. That's, you know, and you're on TV, so yeah. it's kind of hard to keep a secret. Sure. But, um, if I won tons and tons of money, uh, I don't think I would tell anyone. What about you? What would you do? Yeah, I know. Well, I think it would be really fun to, well, obviously, if you won millions or billions or whatever, you might upgrade certain things in your life, I'm sure. But it would be really fun to just like, secretly have that money and like every time you go out to eat just tip a thousand dollars and just be like just super dl about it and just be able to help people like randomly all the time i completely agree i think that if you if people don't know and you're if you don't change your life that much maybe upgrade a little bit i probably would get a new car yeah but um (laughs) yeah and just be like that super generous person and people don't know the source of that wealth and that's one thing on Cash Explosion. People have done really cool things with their money. There was a, a woman we had on one time. I think she was a teacher, and there was a student who was disabled. And one of the things they wanted to, one of the things she wanted to do with her money was provide a special swing at the playground for this disabled student. And she did that with her money. And I don't, I don't know how much it costs, but it was really cool to see like the picture and you know the the uh, young student like in the in the swing that she was able to provide with the money that she won. And that was, that's just one of the many stories of some of the great things people have done with their winnings. I think that's just awesome. Okay. So how did you get into, like, did you, I know you were a a news anchor before you did cash explosion. And this is kind of more of a a work-life balance for you doing this show, being home with your son, but how did, did you go to school for journalism? Yeah, so I went to Ohio University uh, for journalism school, and when I graduated from school, I graduated during the recession, so I didn't get into TV immediately. I did some other things. I worked at Target. I worked at Chase. I had some other jobs. worked at my church for a little bit, but then eventually I got into television news locally, which if you're in this business and you're from a big city like Columbus or even Chicago or New York City, the dream is always to be on TV in your hometown, mm. so I did get to do that. Um, I worked as a reporter at um, a station in Columbus for about six years. And then I got a job as the lottery show host. And I did both jobs for a while, but then I just uh, left my news job and just do the lottery show job. And it, it does provide a great work-life balance. I still get to do what I love, but I also get to spend a lot of time with my three-year-old son. So it's pretty cool. Let's talk about reading. Have you been a lifelong reader? Like, Did you grow up loving books? So I actually learned how to read when I was three years old, which now that I have a three-year-old, I know how crazy that sounds. It's cr- that's but, crazy. Uh, my sister was learning to read. Right? She was, I think, five and a half. So while she was learning to read, I learned to read over her shoulder. So um, I've always loved reading. And I think that I think that because of the way I learned to read was like very casual and like, oh, you can read now. Great. So I, it never was really like mm-hmm. a pressure type thing. But I've always loved reading. I haven't always prioritized reading as I became an adult. Like when I was a kid, I read a lot of Baby Search Club, Sweet Valley High, uh, Beverly Hills books, Bloom books. Yes, like all those books. I was all into them. Boxcar Children, Choose Your Own Adventure. Um, But then as I got older, I didn't prioritize reading as much. But just in the past, and I've read, like I mean, I would read books off and on. But in the past couple of years, I've really started to prioritize reading again. And last year is when I read, I think, 109 books in one year, which I don't know how many books I read as a kid. I read all of Babysitter's Club. So that was like 200 books. But I don't know how fast I read them. Um, But I do know that 2020, as far as I know, is the most books I've ever read in one year, for sure. Like, by far. That's so so many books. Yeah. (laughs) Where do you um, where do you track? Do you track them? Yes. So I track them on Goodreads. Okay. And um, Goodreads is it's. 
it's not a great platform for what they're trying to sell it as, like the social media reading platform. It's really not great for that, but it does a great job of, if you want to look at reviews, track what you want to read, what you have read. I think it's a really good app for that. Okay. Yeah. I go through cycles where I like, oh yeah, I haven't gotten good reads. I need to track this. But like if they're trying to do that, is somebody else doing it better? What do they need to do to make it better? I think they need to change the interface. I feel like it's, it's just, it hasn't changed in, in, I don't know, five or 10 years, maybe yeah. I got a good reach for the first time years ago. And, um, I just recently started like really tracking my books. I'm on there all the time. And I don't know, there's something about it. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, I think it's like, it's not the only thing out there, but because I already have books on the app, I feel like I'm committed to using it. Right. <laughs> but I no. think they can make the interface cleaner. They can make it easier to use, easier to find people. I mean, I think that they could they could do a better job with it. But it works for tracking books. I highly recommend it for tracking books and reading reviews. Yeah, I mean, it would be really fun if there was a system on there where like I could find you and I follow you and I just and I can follow all the books you read and you have something similar to Instagram where you have like a story where I can see, oh, this is what she read this week, last week or whatever. And it's not very uh, pretty either, like you said. Right. You can find people on there and you can follow people, but it's just not as easy as it is like with Instagram or Facebook. And you would think that the people who run it are on these other platforms right. and can see how good they are. I'm like, I don't, I don't um, agree necessarily with Facebook taking over the world, but right. I'm like, maybe Facebook could take over Goodreads and yeah. make it better. <laughs> <laughs> that I would be on board with for sure. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I heard you say this and I, resonated with it so much that when you're looking at books to read that you won't read a book that is your worst nightmare. Yes, that is something that I finally was able to put words to it. Um, I think sometime last year I was reading a book about um, a woman who I think her husband had died and she didn't know who did it. Mm. She like walked in the house and he was dead. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to read this. You know, I mean, <laughs> I think that it's sometimes it's hard because fiction books a lot of times the pull of them is that big dramatic, yes. like the husband was abusing the wife, like, you know, whatever. And there are some stories I'm like, oh, you know, this is kind of heavy, but I'm fine reading it. Like uh -huh. there's some stories where I'm like, this is my worst nightmare. I will not read a book about like a toddler being kidnapped out of their room. Like I just, and people are like, that's so good. No, thank you. Like, I'm okay on that. And I think that it's important that we pay attention to what we're putting in our minds and our spirits and our, you know, what we're putting into our atmosphere unnecessarily. And I believe that with books and with TV shows and movies, and sometimes it's hard to avoid. There's definitely been some books where I finished them and thought I shouldn't have read that, mm. you know, but I think that I try to be, cognizant when I'm reading the book like okay everyone says this is so good uh -huh. but this is just not for me. it's not what I want to read so do you do you go to the library or do you buy your books what does that look like so I love our library it's about five minutes away I drive past it all the time and I'm always stopping there to pick up books that are on hold I do buy books um, I try to I try to shop independent bookstores when yeah. I can but I also shop at Barnes and Noble I buy books from Target I buy books from Amazon um, I also use I read audiobooks a lot and so I subscribe to both Scribd, which is a, it's like a Netflix for books. You pay, you pay for a monthly fee and you can read as many books on there as you, as you can read in a month. Um, I also subscribe to Audible and I also get book of the month, which is a mm. subscription book. You pay like, I think, I think it's like the first box, I think it's $5. But after that, I think it's like 10 or 15. And then they send you a book every month, but you get to pick the book, which I, I like that. So yeah, I do. I do the library a ton, but I also do buy books as well. Okay. I've thought about doing book of the month club and I can't decide. Mm -hmm. Sell me on it. So I like it. I mean, it's, they every month like April we're in the month of April right now. And every month they have five books. Um, and there, some of them are, aren't even out on the shelves yet. Some of them are books that you maybe you've heard of and they have a summary of the book and then they have a, some popular reader or author write their own summary. And then you can pick out a book and then they'll mail it to you. What the benefit of that, especially if you buy books is that book of the month is way cheaper. So like, uh, Kristen Hanna's book Four wins, mm -hmm. for instance, that's a very popular book. It was on there. And if it's your first month, it's only $5. I think, I think it's 14 99 a month if you keep with it. But a hardback book is about, I think, $25, $30 mm -hmm. sometimes. So you're getting the book at a huge discount. And they're like curating the books for you. If you read all the summaries, you don't like any of the books, you can just skip that month. So you're not paying to get books if you don't want them that month. So I like it. And a lot of people 
um, who are a part of it are like, oh, this is the book I chose, this is the book I chose. So if you and some friends all are in that book of the month club, you could pick the same book and then read the same book together. And that's kind of cool too. So I like it. I think you can try it for like five bucks and it's worth it. I love the idea too, because when I finish a book and I don't have another one teed up, I have that like post book depression, kind of like post marathon depression. <laughs> you're like, you have the blues, like, what am I supposed to do now? And I need something like right away. That's one of my tips for reading for, I tell people to read when you want to read more is to always have the next book you want to read before you finish the book you're reading now. So that way, when you finish the book, you're not like, hmm, what should I read next? Let me like do some research and all that. I'm constantly like, I have a running list in my phone of books I want to read. And sometimes, sometimes I'll finish a book and I'm like, that was heavy. I need something light. And maybe the book I thought I was going to read next, I decide not to read that, but I already have like three or four other choices and not like just in my mind. I mean, I have them from the library or I've already bought them and they're on my shelf waiting for me to start. And I think that helps with um, finishing a book and reading the next one. And that's how I, that's one of my biggest tips for increasing the amount of books you read is not allowing there to be any gaps um, between reading like one book to the next book. That is such a good point because you finish a book and you're, you're on a roll cause you're into the book and mm-hmm. then you get out of the, out of the routine, the habit because you don't have one teed up and then two mm-hmm. weeks go by and you're like, ah, Okay, so that that's a good segue then. So we're going to talk about tips now. That can be okay. your tip number one if you want it to be. But let's do tips for if you're a busy parent or just anybody who has a full plate like most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some tips that you have to make sure you're getting in more reading if you want to do that? Uh, one of my big tips too is audiobooks. I know audiobooks aren't for everyone, but I think if you listen to podcasts, you probably would like audiobooks also. I think that audiobooks help a lot with people who don't who just don't have time to sit and read for an hour. And I think that that's, I think that's fair, you know, that everybody doesn't have time to sit and read. Um, and I think that audiobooks help a ton. And also, like I said, picking books out, like before you're done with the next book. I also think following people on Instagram or social media, whatever social media you use that read, because then you're like being encouraged to read because you see them reading. You're like, oh, I didn't read that book. And I think, um, quitting a book if you don't like it Mm -hmm. I think don't try to slog through because it just makes it not enjoyable this isn't you know high school English class you don't have to read the book so I think that if you're reading a book and not enjoying it I think just putting that book down and picking up another one helps you keep reading Um, you don't want to dread it because it's not it shouldn't be a chore it should be fun Um, and I think not not feeling like the pressure of like I have to finish this book like this month. I mean, maybe it takes you two or three months to finish a book, but at least you're finishing it. I think sometimes you can follow people or know people who are reading a lot and feel like you're behind, but there's no such thing as like behind with reading. You're <laughs> reading in the time that you get, you know? So I think that, um, I think that that's what's helped, helped me and knowing what genre you like to read. I think I used to read a lot of personal development. Like I think I've read probably 50% of personal development books are on the shelf. Like I've read them, like everybody. <laughs> and I think that when the pandemic first happened, I, I didn't want to be motivated anymore. Yeah. I don't want people to tell me like, you can do anything, you know, I'm like, um, I'm stuck at home. So then I switched to fiction books and I really got into fiction books at that time. Um, just getting into other people's stories, kind of go back and forth with nonfiction and fiction books. But I think just reading what, figuring out what you like to read and like reading that and not feeling pressure to read what other people are saying. Like, this is so good. You should read it. Mm. Maybe you don't like that kind of book. You know, it's so funny you like- say that. Cause I heard you say that your fa- one of your favorite books was atomic habits and that's one that I quit. Oh, see. And again, it's not everybody's like, that's not everybody's type of book, you know? So, but I, I liked it, but I know everybody that's not their type of book. And I'm glad that you know that and you don't waste time reading it. You know what, though? I was also, I'm also, I'm always on a self-help book kick, though. Like, I feel like I always have a book like that and then a for fun book at the same time. And I think the reason I quit is I had just read Essentialism and, like, all these books that were similar. And I was like, you Uh don't, why don't you, like, go apply these habits to your life instead (laughs) of reading more about these habits? That's my biggest problem with self-help. Like, this morning I had a good amount of work to do that I wanted to get done before my kids got up. And I love waking up and reading for at least like 20 or 30 minutes. I like doing that, then working, then dealing with kids. But I knew I had like two hours of work to do. So I was like, you need to go straight to your work. Like instead of reading the book, which the book I'm reading is Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. Oh, I read that. Did you like Mm -hmm. it? 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, instead of like reading that and doing all these tips that she's telling you to do, do the thing. Like, do the thing you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely can relate to that. I get, I get with that even with like Instagram. I'll be, or I'll be reading like some like motivational articles on like Inc.com. Like, why uh, am I reading this instead of doing the <laughs> doing the thing they're telling you to do? <laughs> I'm like watching cleaning videos on YouTube like how about you could just go actually clean <laughs> I know I like it's okay. a, it's such a distraction yesterday I was um we have an Airbnb property on our in our house and I was flipping it and I I didn't have my phone with me I'd left it in the garage when we were working out and I was like I cannot believe how much more efficiently I just got this Airbnb flipped because I wasn't responding to text messages or changing my podcast or randomly lo- opening up Instagram for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yes, definitely. I get that for sure. Sometimes when I want to finish a book, I have to log out of Instagram. Yeah. Like, literally log out because I'll just mindlessly, like I'll be reading and then I'll just like, like open it up for no reason. Doing? Why are you scrolling Instagram when you're like reading? Yeah. So I definitely sometimes have to just log off and like do the things that need to get done for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like and we're... I think sometimes the personal development, which you know, sometimes all these books do seem like they're almost like the same. Yeah. I mean, they because you feel like the author, like Marie Forleo has probably read Essentialism and totally. Atomic Habits. Not that she's going to like steal from them. But you know what I mean? Like it's all the same like ideas. And sometimes when you read so many personal development books, you've read them all. So yeah. I feel like even if you haven't read Atomic Habits, you've probably read it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> you've probably read it already. Right. And I probably if I hadn't just finished Essentialism, I would have been like all upon Atomic Habits. Like it would have been a great read right. for me, but it was like too much of the same thing. Let's move to tips for cultivating healthy reading habits with your kids. Okay. I feel like I have failed on this with my older my oldest he's eight my husband like your husband isn't a big reader and he's like it's not a big deal not everybody's gonna love to read like you love to read we read almost every night with the kids some nights we skip it because I'm like get them just get them to bed but I know I could do a better job so what are your tips so I I mean and again my son is three so I haven't even gotten there yet (laughs) and I think that I think that with reading, it's like anything else. You want your kid to love what you love, and it just doesn't always work out that way. Mm -hmm. Like my dad wanted me to be a computer systems analyst (laughs) like he was, and I ended up being a journalist because that's what I wanted to do. And I'm sure he felt like he failed in like (laughs) getting me interested in computers. And I'm like, you didn't fail. You just like, I just don't didn't like that thing. So I think that, um, and when your son's eight, I mean, he still has so much more uh, life to live and reading a you know, love of reading to cultivate, which I know that you already know that. Um, but with, with my son, the big thing I focus on now is just trying to model for him mm-hmm. reading because I do a lot on my phone and I notice that he will pick up my old iPod and pretend it's a phone. And so again, I'm not trying to model being on my phone right? <laughs> but because I'm on my phone. That's what I'm modeling. So I try to do that with reading where I'm like, I try to like, we're in the playroom. If he's like busy doing something, I can read my book like on the couch and he like sees me reading. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important. I also try to read to him. We don't always read every night. I try to, but like you said, sometimes it's just time to go to bed. Yeah. We're not doing the book thing. Get out of here. (laughs) Um, But I also try to read in other parts of the day because I know that the whole good night story thing isn't always going to happen. Yeah. Um, And we get a lot of books from the library. I highly recommend library holds for books for kids because sometimes you don't have time to walk around the library with your kids trying to look for books. You're trying to read the back of it, flip through, make sure that nothing is in here that, you know, you don't agree with. I mean, it's just really hard to do the whole library thing with kids, especially when they're little. So um, I like to follow a couple of different Instagram accounts that post about children's books. There's like, I think Here We Read is one of them. Begin at Home is another one. Diverse Reads is another one. Mm. Um, there's just a, several different um, like kids book focused accounts. So even if you look, just look at the hashtag kids bookstagram, then you'll see some. And then from there, I can go on the library's website, put in a couple of books, put them on hold, and then just go pick them up and I can take them home and read them. And there's no like monetary commitment there. So if I do pick up a few books, I don't like them. I didn't really lose anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think the library is great for, for kids and looking at children's books. Um, and I think just 
like knowing your own capacity. Like I don't love long books. Like I don't want to read my son a long book. He doesn't have the attention span for it. I don't have the desire to do it. So, so to me, whether the book is five pages or 50 pages, I still read to him. So um, I try to pick out books that that I know that I'm going to want to read from start to finish. And sometimes, like, honestly, I'll look at the book. I'm like, oh, this is way too long. And I'm like, we're not doing this one. But, um, and sometimes they're like good stories and it's worth sitting there a little bit longer. And sometimes it's him sitting next to me, like looking at the pictures. But a lot of times it's him doing somersaults mm. off the couch and building magnet tiles and running around the room. I feel like as long as there's not like other audio in the room, yeah. like the television, or if he's not screaming at the top of his lungs, but I think it still counts as me reading to him. I'm reading and he's listening. And I've actually been surprised at what he has absorbed when he is running around. Sometimes I like to do books that um, have sound effects, like stuff that will like attract his attention. Like the car says, zip, zip like that. So then he'll like, be like zip, zip while he's running around. So I'm like, good, he's listening. So um, I think finding those books that he, that he likes and he loved repetition, so finding books that I don't mind reading over and over again helps too. Like Elephant and Piggy are really good books mm. that he likes. Um, there's just a lot of different, a lot of different books. But I also think for parents, like not putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, because I think that if we're reading to our kids and we're like trying to model reading to them, it's kind of you know just we have to hope for the best after that. I think that's true with like everything uh, with parenting. Okay, and that's... what I've learned in my long life of parenting for years. <laughs> no, but that's, that's so good. It's like exercise, right? It's like, I think people resist working out because they think it has to be this big, long production. If I can't mm -hmm. do 45 minutes, what's the point? And it's like, no, America, people, go walk for 10 minutes. If you're not doing anything, go walk for 10, 15 minutes because consistency in small amounts far, far outweighs two times a week committing to 45 minutes. Agreed. And I think that that's one of the biggest tips I did read about running or, or just like, you know, people say like, which exercise is the best exercise? And it's the best exercise for you is the one you're actually going to do. Yes. So like if you, you know, if you're seeing like, well, they say that yoga is better, but I hate yoga. Then don't do yoga. Don't do yoga. <laughs> that's the best one for you. And I think the same thing with reading. It's like, if people are saying, you know, you should be like reading all this. I think if you're just reading even just a few pages, I'm like, okay, we read a few pages. Now he like doesn't isn't interested anymore. Well, that counts, you know. And I think that I try to read to him when he's a captive audience too. Like sometimes if he's eating lunch and I'm not eating, I'll sit down and read a book. Mm, then that's a good because idea. then he's like eating. He's a captive audience, and that's when I can get through like one or two books while he's eating. And I think that that that's a something I just picked up on in the past few months. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think finding that time to read and then like not putting pressure on yourself to feel like you have to read all these books all the time, every single day. I don't think that's as necessary. And it doesn't have to be this like 30 minute commitment. I also love no. that you said your son's like doing somersaults and stuff because I have this, one of my kids will sit down if we separate everybody and we get everybody in their different spaces. My husband's doing one of them. I'm doing this one, the other two in their room. My third who is four, he will read with me and he loves it and they all kind of will individually but when you get them mm -hmm. all in the room together there's just no way like and, <laughs> and I have these visions I'm like why can't everybody just like sit down and enjoy me reading them a book and they're flipping over each other and wrestling <laughs> and it's like okay that's just not reality here like maybe some families no. it is but it's not reality here and I do try to emphasize that sometimes because on Instagram, and like I said, sometimes he will sit with me. So on Instagram, like we'll get a sweet picture of me yeah. like reading a book and he's sitting with me. But I'm like, don't think this is like yeah. all the time. Like most of the time I'm like, okay, you are doing somersaults off of our nugget couch. So this is a great time for me to open up the book and like read while you're listening. So <laughs> well, and <laughs> I, I know pages sometimes. Oh my gosh, I'm a big page skipper. It's it's that turning point when they've memorized the book though. And they're like, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. You missed a couple yeah. pages there. Because <laughs> like, no. some of the elephant and piggy books are long. They're, they're so long. The page. It's like 50 pages. I try to skip and he has it memorized. So he's like, he'll run over when I thought he's not paying attention. He'll run over, like flip back like this one, this page. I'm like, okay, glad you're listening. Well, and my <laughs> other tip for the bedtime thing, and I don't always do this, but I sometimes try to like once we eat dinner, just like not be anywhere near my phone until bedtime, even if it's just like an hour. 
and I and I'm I mess up sometimes. I go I go check things or whatever, but if I can just like totally be in another room and just solely focus on that, I know I'll get more reading in. I know I'll get through bedtime happier, peace more peaceful and really quicker for the most part. It is amazing like how much of a time and a distraction like suck <laughs> like the phones are. And they're so they're so like, you know, useful and I don't even know how people parented before you could Google everything instantly. What did you do? But I mean, it is amazing the things, the the productivity level that I get when I just put my phone in a different room. And I'm like, I need to do that more. Or like if my phone's dead, I don't charge it. I'm like, you know, actually that was kind of (laughs) nice. So (laughs) nice. I know when we just went to North Carolina, they they didn't have Wi-Fi for the first three nights of the house we stayed at. And I almost just felt this like sense of relief, you know, like, oh, it just won't be an option. Hey everybody, a quick break here to tell you about my favorite nightly beverage. This is the Beam Dream Blend. It is a delicious blend of sleep-enhancing vitamins, minerals, nano CBD. This healthy take on hot chocolate helps me wind down every single night I get my kids to bed. Victory, every time you get your kids to bed, it is a victory. And then I sit in my bed and put my favorite mindless show on and sip my dream blend. This product does have a natural CBD in it. It is THC free, third party tested and the highest quality extraction. This is helping me sleep better every night and I don't mess with sleep. I wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. Go to beamtlc.com. Use the code Lindsay15 to get 15% off. Let me know if you try it out and you are experiencing positive results like I am. That's beamtlc.com. Use the code Lindsay15 to get 15% off. Link to that will be in the show notes that can be delivered to your inbox. If you email Emma, emma at sandyboyproductions.com will get you added to that. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Elisa Henry. Okay, so we have to get into um, the 109 books you read. Tell us your, you, you mentioned books of, of Instagram or bookstagram. Is that what it is? Uh-huh. Yeah. Where are your other places that, and Goodreads, where are your other lists or people, do you have anybody specific that you follow that you're like, they always have the best book recommendations? I actually like some of the celebrity book clubs. It's kind of weird to say, but they, I mean, they do a good job. Like Reese Witherspoon's book club and Jenna Bush's book club and Oprah's book club. They do a good job of picking out books. And, um, so I, I follow them. There's a, there's definitely several people I follow on Instagram, like my shared stacks is one bookcase beauty is another one. I'm reading. And sometimes you don't know what their Instagram name is like reading glamour and I can send it to you too. Yeah. I'll um, put them in the show notes. One. There's definitely some different like Instagram people that I follow. I'm actually looking at my Instagram right now that help me figure out like what book I want to read next. And I think that I think that that does help because they sometimes can be more honest Mm. um, because they're not like, sometimes you read reviews, you don't know if the person got the book for free. That's why they love it. Or if they actually did love it. Um, So I think finding those people on Instagram that are, that are consistently readers and that help you find the books that um, you like to read. So, and I think sometimes I look on Amazon, Amazon will like recommend a book. Um, If you have, if you have Amazon Prime, there's something called Amazon First Reads, oh. which is four books every month that haven't been released yet, and you can get a book for free. It's on your Kindle, so it's on like like Kindle app or whatever. Yeah. It's an ebook. But um, I think this one, one I got this this month was called like My Next Wife. And you look at the summary, pick out the book you want, and then it's just free. It gets loaded to your phone and is part of your Amazon Prime uh, program. It's oh, called Amazon my gosh. First Reads. Wow. But, um, I like another girl I like to follow on Instagram. Her name is Bookish and Black. She picks out like really good books and um, and Black Girl That Reads. She picks out good books. There's just so many people. I mean, and I feel like once you follow one, like what they call Bookstagrammer, somebody posts about reading all the time, they tag other people and then you just like find those people and just get like in this web of like people that you follow that love reading. And I think that I think Instagram has helped me a ton with picking out good books. Okay, so I follow diverse reads on Instagram. Do you uh-huh. think that 
in the past year you've seen like an explosion and a positive movement in the direction of having books with more representation, especially for kids? Oh, absolutely. I think that, I think that when I was growing up, there wasn't really a lot of diverse characters. Like I remember when Jesse was introduced to the babysitters club as like the black babysitter in the group. Um, I remember Addie being the American girl doll that um, her story was that she was a runaway slave, which I was seven and didn't really understand that. But, um, and not that there weren't like other characters, but I feel like there weren't nearly as many as there are now. I think that's so fantastic. And there's so many different um, like Instagram accounts that post about books of uh, diverse characters. And my son is biracial. My husband is white and I'm black, obviously. Um, And so I try to find books that showcase biracial families. And um, I try to showcase books that show like, black kids and Asian kids and white kids and I, and even like kids who are, um, you know, who live with disabilities. I, I found a book the other day. It was about a little, um, a little kid who was nonverbal. And mm. I think that that like just showing my son and again, he's young, but I think getting in the habit of showing my son people who, um, look like him and who don't look like him in, in various ways, not just race, like in all sorts of different ways. Like there was a book about a little boy who was deaf. And I thought that was, you know, that's great to like show him, um, kids that, that encompass like the wide variety of the types of people. And I think there's more and more books like that. And I think there's more and more exposure for those kinds of books. And I think it's important for our kids. What's your, do you have, I'm sure you have a ton but do you have any favorite books that talk about biracial families? Um, man, there's like, and I guess when I say like, I think they show biracial families, but it's not always like, it's the not topic. about that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like there was a Thanksgiving book I got incidentally and I opened it up and I'm like, oh my gosh, the mom is black and the dad is white. I love this book, <laughs> <laughs> which is like so funny. But um, I think like there's a book called Quiet, for instance. I like that book because it's the dad with the daughter. A lot of books are all about mom. Uh-huh. And so that's a good book that's about that. It's not even about the dad. It's just the dad and the daughter. Um, and that book is called Quiet. Um, help wanted must love books is a good book that shows, um, a black family. It's again, it's a dad and a daughter. I like that. Um, there, man, there's like so many books that, that showcase, um, di- like different characters. Like there's one I like called the noisy night and it's actually the nativity and I we're Christians, but a lot of times, um, books that show like Bible characters, the Bible characters are all white. And yeah. this book called the noisy, the noisy night, they cross out silent. And so instead of saying the silent night, it's the noisy night and the characters look more like middle Eastern and they're all Bible characters, but they look um, more diverse. So I think that um, I don't really like have like a list of books off the top of my head. I can, I can send you some to put in the description if you want. Um, but I do try to look for those books that just show a variety of, of types of characters for sure. Okay. So on that topic, the guest we had on last week, Ellie Sanazaro, she just put out a book. It's actually coming out this month called image bearer. And Uh, it is a Christian book, but it, the whole purpose is that like every child is an image bearer of God. And she highlights all kinds of different Mm -hmm. children of different races, ethnicities, disabilities, Um, her son has down syndrome. And so that was the kind of like motivator behind, I think she thought of the book maybe while he was in the NICU or so. I can't remember the whole story behind the birth of it, but, um, I think that that would be a really good book for people to check out. Oh, absolutely. I'll look for that when, whenever it comes out and see like, if you have it on your Instagram or something like that, that's again, it's weird to say like, but Instagram like helps me find tons of books. There's one called like alphabet for humanity. And that one is not at um, the library, but I got it from Amazon. And um, it's like A is for acceptance, you know, like D for diversity. So it goes to the alphabet, but it uses like words like for humanity, which I think is a really good, a really good one. There's just so many um, good books out there. And I try to, I try to do, like I said, a mix because I don't want him to feel like, you know, everything isn't a black history lesson. Like yeah. <laughs> sometimes just reading a book, you know, right. so I think that um, just having a range of characters in the books is really good. And then having those that are targeted towards like, I think there's a Sesame Street book that's like, we're all different. We're all the same. I think that's a Sesame Street book. And I, um, I get that, you know, I think that it's just, there's a lot more books out there like that. And I think that's fantastic. We're all different. We're all the same. I love that. What a simple message. I love that. Yeah. 
Because in a lot of ways, we're all, you know, the same, even though we're all different. That's so good. Um, I was going to say I loved your point about the library because, man, I go to the library with my kids. I usually just take the big ones. And my six-year-old, he tries to leave the library with like 97 books. <laughs> hey, that's a good thing, though. <laughs> I know, but A, he'll read like two of them. B, we will lose half of them. And I come back to the library the next time with like, you owe $27 to oh the gosh. library. So I love the idea of like putting holds on so you can just go pick them up. Not that exploring the library isn't great sometimes because I always try to be like, you can do five books. And then yeah. hands down, we will always leave with at least 15 per kid. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> how do I keep track of all these books? And you have to check your library because a lot of them are starting to have these programs where you tell the library the age of your kid and uh, their gender, which, you know, um, and then what kind of books they like. And then they will pick out books for you and like put them on hold for you. You so don't have to good. look at all. So that's that my library recently implemented that. And I love that because I'm like, look, he's three. He like loves books that make noise, you know, as, as you're reading or books about the alphabet or colors or numbers is what we're working on right now. And so they pick out like five to 10 books and I just pick them up. And again, you're not, there's no monetary commitment. So sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're okay, but it's a really good way to save time. Um, and also be constantly refreshing the library. I also try to keep his library books separate mm -hmm. from the books that he owns because I've actually accidentally returned books that were books that we owned. And the library called me like, hey, I think these books are not ours. And I've also lost library books around the house where I'm like, where's that library book? So I try to keep them separate. It's not always easy, but I try to keep them like in a space that's just for library books because it is easy to lose track of books everywhere. I know I always say I'm going to have a library basket and then something always happens. Something gets moved. <laughs> I find one like under a bed, which I'm like, great. That's good that you have library books in your bed. I love that. But um, yeah, I know I always have the best of intentions for having that right. specific <laughs> library book spot. And just like everything else, I always have the best of intentions to have organized this, that and, you uh -huh. know, like tubs for, you know, school stuff that we're going to keep so that we don't have just piles everywhere. But um, yeah, that's just not always hey, that organized. Hey, the intention is there. So yeah, that's good. Got the intention there. Okay. Lastly, with that, the the uh, 109 books that you read, what were your favorites? Do you have a list of oh like a couple of your favorites? Um, I think the favorites are like categories. So if you're truly interested, like what was the best memoir? What was the best nonfiction? But um, I always recommend if you like suspense books, The Last Flight by Julie Clark is so good. That was a good like escape book um, from like everything going on. Okay. Um, that book is about, it's about two women who are trying to get out of their lives for um, different reasons. They meet at an airport, incidentally, switch uh, tickets, and then they get on different planes and everything like goes from there. So oh, that sounds so, so good. good. It like hooks you right from the beginning. Um, that's a good one. Like I said, I love Atomic Habits. Um, I know that's not everybody's favorite, but I think it does a good job of talking about forming good habits in your life um, to make your life better. Um, Memoir-wise, I love Michelle Obama coming. I know I saw that book, but it really was a good – her book was really good. I also liked Alex Trebek's book. I read that, though, right before – He's the Jeopardy um, host that passed away, but his book is a quick, easy read. Jerry Seinfeld's memoir was also good. It's six hours of stand-up. Like, that's all the book is. So when you're listening to it, he's just doing a stand-up, like, constantly, and it's so funny. So you I need to do audio for that one. Right. I think audio for Jerry Seinfeld's book. Oh, I'm um, doing that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, Seinfeld. There's been, like, there's been, like, so many good books. The Vanishing Half was good. No, um, I read that There's one. just been... Yeah, that was a good one. It was it was different than what I expected, but I thought it was really good. And there's been, uh, I think, Such a Fun Age was good. I also like to read books that are like a TV show or a movie. And Little Fires Everywhere that mm. uh, starred Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington on Hulu. The book is very different, but I like both the book and the show. Um, and I also thought Such a Fun Age reminded me of Little Fires Everywhere. And that's a good book, book oh, too. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. If you if you watch Little Fires Everywhere, I feel like Reese Witherspoon's character is the character in such a fun age. And Reese Witherspoon recommended both books, so I feel like she like switched the characters and played. I don't know. It's kind of hard okay. To that's so interesting. Okay, no, I <laughs> see what you're saying. 
Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many, like there's a, if you're interested in kind of like the, the social justice movement that happened last summer, there's a book that's called, uh, they can't kill us all. And it's by Wesley Lowry. And it really, he wrote this book prior to the, uh, social justice movement of 2020. He, I think it came out in 2019, but it, it almost gives a backstory and explains like the black lives matter movement and some of the different, uh, cases that, led to what we all saw last summer it is it is so good he's the he's a journalist for the washington post he went to ohio university actually uh which is where i went um but it's a really good book about about that um and there's just gosh i mean i could talk about like books all day i love being like oh i read that like you were you're reading that marie forleo uh-huh. book. i love forleo to me she's like kind of like what rachel hollis kind of aspires to be a little bit <laughs> they have a lot of, they have a lot of similarities, but I love Marie Forleo. I think that her books, uh, her book is really good. Um, her YouTube videos are good. So I, so yeah. I never got into Marie TV or anything like that, but I knew, I knew like her B school and everything was great. Man, Rachel Hollis has herself into some hot water right now. I was up at like eleven thirty, like reading comments, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I need to like get off of this. But yeah, um, I've read, I've actually read all three of her books. Uh, um, Girl, wash your face. Girls Up Apologizing and didn't see that coming. I also read Dave Hollis's book, um, which Get Out of Your Own Way, I think is what it's called. I think that she has good stuff to say, but she's definitely one of those people who has read a ton of personal development books and just took everyone else's idea yeah. and like put out a book saying all the same things. Like, yeah. like for instance, um, who's the big, she's like really famous. Oh, Mel Robbins yeah. wrote The Five Second Rule. Okay. And which is basically saying, when you don't want to do something, count to five, five, four, three, two, one, and like do it. Okay. And Rachel Hollis like t- takes that idea and like does it like at her <laughs> at her event. She's like five, four, three, two, one, damn. And like that's the Mel Robbins thing. Same with like the morning miracle is all about like waking up at five o'clock in the morning and doing these five uh-huh. things. That's exactly what Rachel Hollis talks about in her book. So I'm not people love Rachel Hollis. Great. If you read her book, then you can eliminate like 10 books because she took all their ideas and put them in her book. So, <laughs> so what yeah. I'm curious, like, what are you, if, if anybody hasn't watched, go look at her Instagram. She has this really harsh video and then an apology that's like not really an apology. Um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, on that? So I read girl wash your face before I started following her on Instagram. Once I follow her on Instagram, I was like, uh, no way. Yeah. So I think that I, the video, so the initial, I think she deleted both of those by, by now, by the way. But, oh, did um, she? Yeah. So she did an Instagram live and I guess in the Instagram live, she was talking about something else and she mentioned that she had dishes in her sink that were like molding, but her housekeeper was coming and she was just going to clean them. Oh God. And so people were like, uh, <laughs> like, so then she did a video saying like, I have a, I have a lady who cleans my toilets. Yeah. She cleans my toilets twice a week. And like, you know, I work really hard so I can afford that. And like, I'm not going to listen to people tell me that I'm not relatable. I'm not trying to be relatable. And then in her caption, she was like, Harriet Tubman, Rosa, yes. uh, not Rosa Parks, Oprah, Ma- Malala, all these people RBG. relatable. Yeah. RBG, um, Frida, uh, I think she spelled it. Um, all those people aren't relatable and so basically putting herself with them and so I think that was like kind of the firestorm was like one you reduced a professional house cleaner to a sweet lady who cleans your toilets that's so like just disparaging and unnecessary and giving the false impression that working hard equals having money. tons of money and if you don't have tons of money it's because you don't work hard yes. and we, we know that her ex-husband was a Disney exec who made tons of money and when she was a stay-at-home mom to four kids, um, she had a full-time nanny, full-time housekeeper. Nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. But, like, of course you were able to do all these things because you have people doing everything for you. And that's a benefit. But that's not a reason to feel like you are better than those who don't have those resources. And it's not because if you don't, if you don't have the resources to have a full-time housekeeper or a full-time nanny, it's not because you don't work hard enough. Right. Like, so I think that was what I think people really didn't like that comparing herself to Harriet Tubman RBG like women who have changed the world because you have a twice weekly house cleaner is like yeah so I know her apology blamed her staff that was bad luck bad luck like 
this is a video that you made. What does your staff have to do with that? So that was just, it was just got really bad. She was muting people, deleting people's comments. And oh. so, yeah, it was a train wreck. But it's not the first time. I mean, this is the person who built part of her empire on having an exceptional marriage. And these are all the things you need to do to, like, have an exceptional marriage while going through a divorce and not telling anyone but charging $1,500 to come to a marriage conference. <laughs> run by her and her husband while they are secretly going through a divorce. Like there is a lot of ethical and like things wrong there where you have women who feel like something's wrong with their marriage. Mm -hmm. So they're coming to you for advice and you are pretending to be an expert, but really you're just lying about the state of your own marriage. It's just, it's a lot. That's a whole nother podcast. I love that you, I love (laughs) that you told though, like that you were willing to comment on it. Nobody can, I guess if you want to learn more about that situation, you all can Google that yourself. (laughs) But the original posts have been, yeah, the original posts have been taken down though. Um, Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say to the note on getting up early and getting things done before your kids get up and stuff. I'd probably do that like three days a week, but there's, there's this like thing called sleep that's really important and if you do it every single day unless you can literally get your body to sleep at like 8 30 or 9 every night it's going to catch up to you you're going to feel sick you're going to feel tired so like for me that's kind of my limit like I can't do it every day because some days I my body needs to sleep until 7 and I'm not a failure because I sleep until 7 sometimes I completely agree I mean I post about running and so some people will be like oh my gosh you like you like get up at 5 a.m. and run. I'm like, yeah, but not every day. Yeah, like, exactly. I, mean, I do. I, when, when I get up and run, I post about it. And when if I don't post about it, it's probably because I didn't do it. Right. So, so it's not like, you know, and there are people who get up every single day and those people are amazing. That's not me. And I don't, and, and my kid sleeps in. Some people's kids wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah. My kid does not wake up at 5 a.m. So it's easy for me, easier for me to go get up and go for a run. My husband works from home right now. So if I'm out a little bit longer, he's here and my son is here. There's just like different things that you don't always like see the full picture. And so I don't, I try, I, I hope that people don't look at, look at anything that I'm doing and think like I'm saying that you should be able to do it too. Cause everyone's situation is so different. Oh, 100%, sure. 100%. Okay. You can gift, you gift the same book to everybody you meet. You know, I mentioned essentialism. That was that was a book someone gifted to me that was on one of my podcasts. And then another book was Comedy Sex God by Pete Holmes. Have you read that one? No, I haven't heard of that one. I need to look it up. That one was, you might be interested in that. This guy grew up super evangelical Christian and he's like, well, he's all over the place now. But it, it's a really good book. And if you if you grew up in that kind of culture, you get all of his like old jokes and things like that. He's a comedian. Oh, yeah. Okay, I need to look that up. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in the culture for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you need to also watch the show Crashing on HBO then. It's his show. It got canceled, but there was like three seasons. And I mean, there's just all these throwbacks, like Jars of Clay references and things like that, that you know if you grew up in that like evangelical Christian culture. But um, anyway, somebody else gifted me that book. And they're like, we always gift people the same book. And so I don't have the book that I like want to gift everybody and I'm trying to find it. I'm curious. Do you have a book? There are books that I recommend, but I, I don't know if I have a book that I would say like, okay, everybody needs to read this book. I mean, beyond like the Bible, like everyone yeah. should read the Bible. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I think that the Wesley Lowry book I talked about, um, that, um, they can't kill us all. I would definitely recommend that book to anyone who is interested in like, uh, all the movements and everything. I would definitely recommend that book. Um, I, and like I said, I love atomic habits, um, but yeah, it's like a book I would recommend to everyone. I told all my, my, my running group, we all read also. I had all of them read the last flight, which I mentioned. I'm going to so read that one and the Wesley Lowry book. Those are the two I books from this episode. It. Yes. Yeah. Those books are both really good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to really think about that. What books I would, what book I would give to everyone. I don't know. I, for kids books, I always like um, the night you were born. Okay, that's so that is such a sweet book. Like whenever somebody's having a baby, um, I give them that book, or I give them um, it's oh baby, the places you'll go. It's a Dr. Seuss book. Okay. It's not the regular the places you'll go. It's like for babies, and that's really cute. Um, I also like the Good Night Bible. That's a good one too. But um, yeah, I have to think about what book would I give 
to everyone. And then there's like the books that I have that I haven't read yet, like President Obama's memoir. It's just huge and sitting on my shelf and I haven't opened it yet. <laughs> but I, I think it's really good. I'm sure it's good. I haven't started it yet. So maybe that'll be the book that I recommend to everyone. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard reviews that Michelle's is way better than his. Really? Yeah. You'll have to tell wow. me once you read okay. it. I haven't read either. And I need yeah. to read Becoming, but I, I've seen multiple people say that hers is just, it's just better. Well-written more, more well-written. Okay. How do I say that? I'm saying that wrong. His, I'm sure it's probably way more like, uh, cerebral. Yeah. Like hers probably is more feeling. Yeah. Me, like she, though, I wanted her to like, to tell us more. Like, you know, I mean, not that you want people to be like salacious, but uh-huh. like, come on, like, give us the tea. Like, uh-huh. we want to know, like, what did you really think about that? You know, <laughs> but she, I thought her book was good. Um, Another book I really, I guess I would recommend too, is it's a book called We Were Eight Years in Power. And I, again, I think a lot of people have been very interested in like race in America. Mm-hmm. And I think We Were Eight Years in Power does a really good job of talking about America from like slavery through the reconstruction period, through Jim Crow, through civil rights, all the way through like Obama's eight years in office and like the housing discrimination and like schools. I mean, it does a really good job of like talking about all of that in like one book and it's just really informative. Um, so we were eight years in power. Maybe that's another good one. So yeah, there's tons of books though. Tons. I read Joel Osteen, all kinds of books. <laughs> I'm so glad you recommended that because that one in the Wesley Lowry book, I had not heard of either of those books. And I mean, I've read, you know, Just Mercy and some other books, you know, that, I read that one. you haven't read it? No, I what? don't like incarceration and all that. Okay. <laughs> anything to do with like, like, I hated Shawshank Redemption, which yeah. I don't really love that movie. Anything where people are in crime for, or in prison for a crime they didn't commit, like I, I physically it's a tough can't. pill to swallow. Like, just... That's a hard one. Yeah, don't read <laughs> yeah. it then. Don't do that. Don't and do the that... worst nightmare thing. <laughs> right. I think that um, there was a time, like last summer, a lot of people were recommending books. And those, the two books that I mentioned, I don't think made any of those like no. really popular lists. Yeah, like White Fragility. So there were so many. Yeah. Right. And there was another one that was um, by Austin Channing Brown. Yes. That was, um, uh, I can't remember. Oh, I'm, I'm still, still here. here. Yeah, yeah. Good. Is that one good? But no, I think. I think, yeah, I thought, I thought it was good. I thought it hit very close to home because she talks about growing up and going to white schools and like a more church with like more white people in it. I felt like it hit very close to home. I don't know if I liked it. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I liked it, <laughs> but I, I did like it. It was just, um, I think that we were eight years in power and um, they can't kill us all are like more, they're more informative and less like about about the author. Sure. I think sometimes these books can be like about the author's experience, which is fantastic. But the two books that I recommended are more like research based and less like about like the author's anecdotal life, if that makes sense. I'm going to get through it because I think the eight years, we were eight years. What was it? We were eight years. We were eight years in power. In power. Oh, and is that referring to the Obama administration? I think it's a double double entendre because it talks about um, the Reconstruction period, and so right after slavery ended, there was Reconstruction, where like there were a lot of Black people who were able to run for office and were able to um, like own businesses, and there was like this period of Reconstruction where they were trying to get um, the former slaves really to like have a positive entry into like normal integrated life before Jim Crow. Um, before the Jim Crow laws had segregation in schools and water fountains and restaurants, like there was an eight year period between slavery and Jim Crow laws where they say we were like eight years in power. It's, it's, so that's like, it is, it was a, a sentence that one of the former black senators had said. And so then it also talks about like Obama's years. So you see what I'm saying? Like he's kind of like using that we were eight years in power, but it's not about, he's not talking about Obama's years. He's talking about reconstruction. It's interesting. You have to you have to read it. It's okay, good. you know when Obama was voted into his presidency, uh, where I worked with a lot of people who were black, and I didn't at that time. Now looking back, I'm like, I didn't understand the significance of what that was to those people that I worked with, and that uh-huh. made me real. That makes me really sad now looking back that I didn't realize like how big of a moment that really was. And I think that's one of the really, really powerful things that has come out of this like 
revolution over the past year is just those, even those little tiny realizations that we all kind of needed to come to. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that that's why it's so important. I think that's why I think I, I think reading is so important because I think that when you know we're living our everyday lives and like it's hard to have even a mental understanding of like where we've been as a country. And I think that even me being a black person, I don't think I I mean I was like so excited like this black guy is president. This is so amazing. But I also don't think I I don't even know that I fully understood. Yeah. Like where we came from like not very long ago to like now I think maybe I probably have better understanding than like you know the average white person but I think that I think that a lot of things that I've read over the past year because even the social justice movement last summer I think it wasn't just like white people learning everything I think a lot of us like black people we were all like learning a ton I mean I think that everybody was learning and I think that a lot of what we saw in the last four years was like an opportunity to learn. And so um, that's why I like reading. And that's why I recommend these books because you're like, oh, that's why like, that's what projects are. That's why like, this is why black people don't have, don't own houses at the same rate as white people. Mm. Like, oh, that's why these people don't didn't support the new deal. That's what was wrong with like, you know, the moral majority. And this is why Martin Luther King didn't like, um, or this is why Jerry Falwell senior was against Martin Luther King. Like you don't, you don't like learn these things like in the classroom kind of like you learn it like through reading. And I think it's been, uh, I think reading is a good opportunity to learn, to learn things and kind of put things in context. Um, but yeah, I mean, whether, whether everyone was as excited when Obama won doesn't take away from black people's excitement in any way. Mm. <laughs> so don't feel bad. Like, I mean, they're fine. They're, I mean, it was like so exciting. It doesn't matter who like was excited to or not. <laughs> I think back to the exact moment um, when James, he was the bus driver. I worked at a senior center and he came in with his arms in the air for O and he was just had so much pride and I just look back at that moment and his pride was for so many more reasons than I even, even, I mean, I still don't understand, but at that moment I really didn't understand and I will never forget that smile on his face. And it makes me want to call him today. I haven't seen him in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there are people who, who were not allowed to vote because of like literacy laws or poll tests or whatever who those same people, like when you think about the time, like those same people were able to see a black man be elected. And that, that is, I mean, I didn't grow up in Birmingham, Alabama, but for people who did, I mean, that's a huge deal. And I think that, um, and as a black person, you kind of look around and you don't see black people in all these big positions of power. So to see a black man be elected president that you thought would never happen. I mean, I was, I was like 23 and thought that'll never happen. I mean, imagine how cynical Mm -hmm. and like, what society does to to even be a kid and be thinking that would never happen, you know, but then it does. So then it's like, this is amazing. So yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I think it, I don't think it was a magic bullet and like ended all like Mm -hmm. racism in America, clearly not, but I think it was a big moment for a lot of people. And I think that like, it's one of those things where I'll be telling my kid like, man, that first time, because Obama won twice, but Mm -hmm. that first 2008 election was like so exciting. I was interning at CNN in Atlanta. And I remember when he, when they announced he won, they were like, don't clap, don't clap. Cause some of us were like, woo! You're like, <laughs> Cause you have to be like, by, no, you can't like be on one side or the other in the news. Right. Yeah. So I was an intern. I was very excited. I ran outside and like people were in Atlanta with all their windows down and blowing the horns. I mean, it was like, that was so exciting. So. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. And I'm sure some of my fellow like white interns were like, like, it's not that serious, but, but, but maybe it was for me. maybe like me, like maybe now, like me, they're like, I get it now. Like I see, like I see now, like what was I so blind to? Yeah. Um, okay. What's something professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I would love to visit Europe. <laughs> That's something I've never gotten to do. I've gone on cruises, but I've never gotten to go, um, so like over to Europe, London, Paris, Italy. I would love to like just see the world. I would love to go to Africa, like go to Kenya. I would just love to see the world. Um, professionally, I eventually want to get back into working news and I would love to be a morning news anchor because I love mornings. So working on like Good Morning America would be amazing. <laughs> so that's like crazy, but I would just No, 
put it out there. I'm all about it. Yeah. If we're going to take anything from our Rachel Hollis conversation, just right. just throw it out there and just say put it. it yep. Yeah. Um, okay. And then what is your last message that you'd like to leave with our audience today? Um, I would just say that reading is a great way to just enrich your life and make your life better. And I think making time for reading is something you will never regret. I think that you might regret a book you read, but you won't regret like the time you spent reading for you, for yourself and for your kids. I think reading is like just amazing and everyone should do it. I love it. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is so much fun. We could talk for like another hour. I have to go get my son from preschool though, so. (laughs) I know. Okay, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Elisa, for sharing your story and giving so many great book recommendations. You can find Elisa on Instagram. She is A-L-I-S-S-A Henry, Elisa Henry TV. You can find this podcast on Instagram. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling Over There? You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. Big thanks to our sponsors, Prevenex and Beam for supporting this podcast. You can use the code Lindsay15 and get 15% off products from either Prevenex or Beam. All right. Have a really great rest of your day. And hey, if you enjoyed this show, make sure you leave us a quick rating and review and share it with your friends. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?